Welcome to Digital Hospitality. I am your host, Sean Walchev. This is a Cali BBQ Media production. Every single week we talk about digital hospitality. That is our ongoing thesis. Every single business needs to be digital first. Every business also needs to be in the hospitality business. There's never been a more exciting time to be an entrepreneur, to be somebody that is building a business because there is a blending of technology, of media and marketing so that somebody that like like us, we own a single unit barbecue restaurant. We just launched our second location, which is a ghost kitchen. Um, now we're able to have interviews like the one that we're going to have today with tech entrepreneurs, people that are doing incredible things all over the globe. Uh, today's guest is Dilip Rao, uh, CEO and co-founder of ShareBite. Uh, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me on. Yeah, I'm grateful to you know bring our listeners in to give them a seat at the table. It's it's super exciting for me um, to be in this space. We've always been a tech forward company. We opened in a recession. We opened in 2008 in a part of San Diego that was a challenging location, uh, given you know any kind of experts' opinion of you know they tell you location, location, location. Um, we picked a very challenging one, and it forced us to rely on the internet for marketing. It forced us to lie on so rely on social media, forced us to do a lot of things that had we opened in a different location, had we been more successful, um, I don't think we would have been in the position that we are in today where we're so confident in what we do with digital marketing that we can produce digital media. And that's really what we want to teach our listeners how to do. Um, and somebody like you that has such a unique background, um, can you can you tell us when you almost died? Yeah, so... Um... It's a great way to start a, uh, any kind of conversation. Um, yeah, so look, I, was, this is back in 2014. Um, so, you know, these are all things that you don't expect, right? We, none of us actually go through life expecting to sort of like go through an experience like that. Um, but, you know, um, oftentimes it's about, it's not about going through it. It's about how you're going to overcome those challenges, right? And and for me, um, uh, a lot of that was, uh I think it it all came together. Um, you know, I was you know, crossing the street, uh, 87-year-old came speeding down um, the street, 54th Street, turned on to 2nd Avenue. Um, I was in New York City, of course. My head goes through the windshield. I go flying off the car. Um, and then uh, they tell my wife that they don't think I'm going to make it, <laughs> I get, you know, uh, get to the hospital. And so suddenly there I am kind of like waking up, not really being able to feel anything because my body's like in total like shock. And then I'm starting to go through like the worst case scenarios, of course, right? You know, gosh, like the things that we all sort of like really consume ourselves with, right? Such as, you know, all the, the cursory factors when you, when you think about it, right? You know, all, I, I mean, I could go down a whole list of like, you know, these things, but it's, it's the stuff that like don't really mean that much, but they mean something to you because you don't, it's it's kind of like circumstantial, right? So for me, it was more like, of course, being proud of like, you know, um, you know the work that you do or, you know, sort of like your circle of friends, this and that. But like, when you go through an, a crisis like that, right? And I think, um, and then you start to wonder like, am I going to live a normal life again? Am I going to be able to, you know, do the things that I was, I probably took for granted every single day, right? None of us think for a second, does this, is the sun going to come up tomorrow, right? Because it is. And because of the sheer frequency at which it happens, you tend to sort of take, take it for granted. Like things like being able to stand and walk and, you know, 
speak. And so when you go through an experience like that, it really makes you sort of, you know, dive deep into kind of like, you know, why am I here? And, you know, what purpose, you know, uh, am I serving or what problem in society have I helped solve? And you know, I, I began thinking, uh, I began thinking, you know, pretty deeply about that side of it. And, and to me, you know, um, in a strange way, I've been playing with the house's money all along because, you know, I'm, I'm an immigrant. I came here when I was five years old. Uh, I know with my parents and uh, lived sort of that typical immigrant life. But um, I, I'm also, uh, I count my blessings uh, to know that like, you know, from being born in a small village in India to sort of coming here, growing up in New York City, being a product of the sort of the public school system, um, and then sort of, you know, doing the things that you really, really enjoy. Um, it's really a, a, a blessing and privilege to be able to be in that position. So um, a lot of what I began thinking about was like, um, I'm not sure what it is I'm going to do, but I'm going to just try to figure out how to, you know, solve a problem in society, right? Or maybe extend this, you know, uh, this long arm of leverage, so to speak, um, to be able to like figure it out. I didn't know how I'm going to do it. Um, uh, not not long thereafter, uh, I met my co-founder, Mohsen Memon, uh, at our, uh, uh, we're both alums of Columbia Business School. And we both met. And, uh, you know, it's, it's one of those strange things where you, it just happens, right? Um, you, you meet somebody and then you sort of like, you realize like, hey, this is kind of cool. Like you start talking. And then I think our first interaction um, I think we really hit it off. And where Mosin and I really bonded together was um, we wanted to create for-profit businesses um, with a purpose and a mission uh, at the core of it. And so our, our thing was we had both done some volunteer event with this nonprofit organization called City Harvest. Uh, it's, it's pretty big in New York City. Um, you know, uh, very res respectable uh, institution. They do some phenomenal work. And um, and both of us you know, around those, you know, sort of 2014, 2013, 2014, um, had done volunteer events with City Harvest, and we learned about this childhood hunger crisis. And you don't really hear about childhood hunger, or, you know, I think all of us sort of grew up watching, you know, sort of those Sally Struthers commercials. So you always think childhood hunger happens like, in some foreign country, but it afflicts our own communities. I mean, New York City, right, um, is arguably the one of the wealthiest places on earth. We're also home to roughly we're also home to roughly half a million kids that go hungry every single day. And like, how is that possible? Like, you know, you know, I think we live in yeah uh, we live in this unique period, even pre-pandemic. We live in this unique period in the country's history where almost everybody agrees that there's an inequality problem in the country, but the disagreement is really about like whose responsibility it is to solve it or, you know, sort of like, you know, um, or how it's going to get solved. And, and so um, where Mosin and I really, um, uh, really sort of like where it all sort of came together was like, look, we want to try to solve a problem in society and we want to try to solve childhood hunger. Now, we can either sort of go on our respective paths and create another nonprofit to sort of address that. But then, like, there are much better and smarter people out there running, um, you know, 
nonprofits like City Harvest, right? Um, you know, I'm good friends with one of their, you know, uh, board members, um, just a phenomenal organization. And so we were like, look, why not create these for-profit businesses? Why not create a for-profit business and, um, and figure out how to give nonprofits like City Harvest um, access to a recurring revenue stream that they've never had access to before, right? This way, we get to do what we're good at and we, what we've built our careers on, right? Whether it's in banking or private equity, um, uh, we know how to build for-profit businesses. So why not combine our sort of our, our resources, our relationships, and really attack this from a very, very different angle? And, and I'm sure we've all heard, and I'm, many of the listeners have, have heard of those companies, right? The Warby Parkers, the Tom Shoes of the world. Um, the one thing that I, I always remembered is, uh, you know, I, I, I'm, I have, you know, these are Warby Parker glasses, right? So I've, I'm wearing them right now, but um, I don't always think of every time I put those on, um, I don't always think of like the extra pair that was like given to somebody in need. Um, but the thing with food is that it's one part awareness and another part sort of solution, right? So like when you order on ShareBite, for example, um, you know, um, it says, Sean, thanks for ordering from, uh, you know, you know, whatever restaurant, right? We made a donation or we, we, we donated a meal to help feed children facing hunger uh, in local communities. And it was done at no additional cost to you. Uh, and it also helped the small restaurants, small businesses um, really get back on their feet and also gave City Harvest and Feeding America and, you know, local food banks access to a recurring stream that they've never had access to before. We thought that was a really, really interesting idea because, you know, let's face it, you, uh, the reason why, one of the reasons why, you know, childhood hunger sort of continues to sort of exist and go on is that, um, what we've discovered is there's just, there's not a lot of awareness about it, right? If everybody knew that, look, kids in my own communities or kids in our own backyards are, are like going hungry, Americans in general are generally very um, uh, charitable people, right? They want to take care of each other. And we've seen that sort of happen time and time, especially in New York City, right? Um, this city has gone through so much, especially in the pandemic, but like I grew up here, right? New Yorkers are some of the they, they're, they're, you know, they get right to the point, right? Um, you know, most of the rest of the country sometimes sees us as rude, but I think some, they're, they're some of the kindest and most generous people that I've ever encountered just in general when, when you see people in New York. Um, and if you give them awareness and you give them a conduit, uh, to make a difference in society, um, with, and, and you don't actually pass, you know, penny of that cost back to the end user. We thought that was something very interesting. It was worth looking into. So um, that's really the, the foundational story of ShareBite. Um, and, you know, our business model was less about wanting to become a food ordering platform, uh, but it was more about a way of thinking, a new way of, of sort of doing business, right? We wanted to be the conduit that helped align the incentives for the private sector to undertake the burden of social good. And um, we wanted to do it in a way where the cost of that social good, right, was not borne by the end user, but by us. Um, and so that's why we created ShareBite. And we really focused on being that B2B, that corporate food ordering model, because our business model 
um, uh, was also predicated on taking that collective purchasing power of corporate clients um, and using that purchasing power to drive value back to society, but also to small businesses. And in the wake of this pandemic, and I think, you know, there are a lot of companies um, uh, that are coming to the realization that like, look, we're going to emerge from this crisis. And when we do, not only do we want to just bring our employees back, we want to do it in a safe and compliant and sort of orderly manner. Um, but like a lot of our employees are going to come back to the office and look around and go, oh my God, my favorite pizza store around the corner no longer exists or the coffee shop that I used to go to every day, you know, every afternoon, that's gone. And there is going to be a renewed focus on wanting to support small businesses um, uh, local businesses, as well as society in general. And fortunately, ShareBite has been singing this song for the past five, six years now. And um, it unfortunately took a pandemic for people to realize that um, the sort of the fragile thread that sort of holds, holds these institutions together. Um, and, uh, and, you know, we've, we've played such an important role um, uh, in, in doing right. And our, our company motto is do the right thing, right? A little page out of Spike Lee's book, uh, Spike Lee's movie. Um, and uh, it's about doing the right thing, right? Every, everything that we've done throughout this pandemic uh, has been about doing the right thing, right? When, when a lot of other companies went into self-preservation mode, um, we were levered, you know, directly correlated to, to this pandemic, right? Because people are not going into the office and therefore transactions are not, you know, flowing through our, our system as much as they, they were pre-pandemic. Um, but you know what? We, we said, you know, the first thing that we're going to do is make a decision, right? We're not going to let go of a single person on our team because of the pandemic. And so we kept the whole team together. Um, we were the first company, probably the only company in our space that reached out to our restaurant partners, thousands of restaurant partners um, on March 16th, day one of the stay in place orders and we told them, oh, we're not sure what's going to happen here, but we, where we don't feel comfortable is charging you a penny in commission. So we preferentially waived all of our commissions to our restaurants throughout the in, in, in the pandemic. So between between the months of March and September of last year, we pumped our restaurants with nothing but orders, and we didn't uh, charge them a penny in commission. Right, um, and, and and you know. As, as a restauranter, restaurateur yourself, um, restaurant people that own and run and operate and work at restaurants are some of the hardest working people I've ever encountered in my life. And, um, you know, it's been unfortunate. Like, they just have not gotten the break that they need and deserve, right? Because restaurateurs, for better or worse, like, they don't have that safety net, <laughs> right? Um, the viability, their ability to put food on the table, um, uh, you know, and, and, you know, provide for their families is directly, directly correlated to the success of that restaurant. And so we said, we made a decision, right? We didn't let go of anybody because of the pandemic. We waived our commissions to restaurants and we reached out to our clients. Um, many of them were looking for different ways to have an impact and really take care of frontline um, workers and, you know, first responders. Um, a number of our clients said, you know what, we have an initiative here. Our employees want to give back. How can we do this with ShareBite? And so uh, 
a year ago when sort of during the darkest days of the pandemic, um, we went to our, you know, our restaurant partners said, look, we're going to pump you with some orders. Um, you just need to go and deliver these to the hospitals. So between March and I believe June of last year, hundreds of thousands of lunches were delivered every single day to all the city hospitals. So Bellevue, uh, you know, Harlem, Mount Sinai, NYU, Wild Cornell, Columbia, Elmhurst, Montefiore, a number of others that I'm even not even count, naming here, um, all received lunch orders uh, through the ShareBuy platform. And a lot of it was courtesy of our, um, of our, of our clients, uh, our corporate clients, some law firms, you know, a couple of investment banks here and there. Um, they all stood up and said, you know what, we're going to, we're going to start placing orders on the platform. So, um, and so, yeah, we've done, we've done so much and we're really proud of it. Um, and we've emerged from this pandemic. You know, it's not over yet. Um, in a much, much stronger position than we would have ever thought we would have been in. Right. And so we're a nationwide business today. Um, there's uh, just about 65 companies on the wait list to get the share bite stations installed at their office, which we'll discuss shortly. But uh, I'm, I'm super proud of what this team has been able to accomplish. Um, and, you know, for myself, and, you know, I'll speak on behalf of my co-founder, Mosin, our greatest privilege uh, really is that we get to work with some of the most talented and passionate and mission-driven, uh, you know, people uh, on a day-to-day -day basis. And that's like, it's a blessing, right? We get to do what we love. We get to have an impact and um, we get to work with really smart and talented and you know, driven people. And uh, that, that's, that means the world. And Dalip, I, I can't thank you enough for, for that story. I, I wish it didn't take near death for people to awaken and find their purpose. I mean, you being as successful as you were in your previous career in investment banking and then having a near death experience, you know, having your wife having to go through that experience, you go through that, your family, the, your loved ones um, do the right thing because it's the right thing to do you know, be the change that you want to see. And I think that's something that, you know, unfortunately the pandemic has, has it's taken a pandemic, it's taken near death of companies for a lot of people to waken up, you know, CEOs, people that are mission driven, that want to be mission driven um, to understand, well, why not? Why not now? And why not us? And I think that's a very powerful message because, you know, I had um, James Flores, he's the CEO of San Diego Food Bank. He was on um, our podcast a while back, Stover, my producer, he'll put a link in the, the show notes, but it's an incredible conversation with this CEO that he works with, you know, 200 different nonprofit food banks here in San Diego. And, you know, back to the statistics you're talking about, I mean, we're talking about 477,000 people in San Diego don't know where their next meal will come from. Yep. And one out of five of those are children. I mean, how is that happening when, you know, us as a restaurant, we, you know, we're trying to reduce our waste. We're trying to figure out how do we do better portion size? Do we need to, you know, have as much on our menu items as we had before, if all of this is going into the garbage, what's happening to the garbage, it's going to the landfill, you know, it's yeah. just this endless cycle but what can we do with unused food? And is there ways to partner with food banks? Is there ways to make sure that, you know, that these kids here in San Diego, that these kids here in New York, that these kids in all these cities in America actually can have a meal 
how do we do that? Well, we do that through exactly what we're doing now. It's we're having a conversation. And that's the thing that I'm most excited about is that there's never been a time where so many different, the brain power that is coming together from tech, from banking, from all these different industries, from hospitality, coming together and go, well, if your team creates this incredible platform and you're going out knowing that you already know the law firms, you already know the architect firms, you already know the asset managers, you already understand that ecosystem of catering of how they also, they need to provide for not just their employees, but like, as you say in your company statement on the website, how do they feed communities? You feed communities by feeding the employees, but by making an impact on every single order that you make. Um, it's super, super exciting. Uh, can you can you tell me a little bit more about, yes, it's great to have an idea. Yes, you went to Columbia Business School. Yes, they tell you, you know, you know how to build a business. Well, building a business in a book and building a business in school is actually different than launching the business in real life. Can you tell me about getting to, you know, finding another mission-driven founder, somebody that, you know, will share all these blood, sweat, and tears with you is fantastic, but then you actually have got to launch. How, how do you, how do you launch? How did you launch ShareBite? Yeah. So uh, such a great point. Um, some of it is, is, is luck, right? Some of it is like, you know, or kismet, however you want to sort of call it, like, you know, um, meeting people, um, that are equally mission driven that like want to do good, right? They want to do well and do good all in the same transaction. Um, that's what, what our business is built on, right? Like, um, but there are certain observations that Moser and I made um, throughout our careers, right? There was, so I'll give you an example. Um, <clears throat> nearly every investment bank um, out there, and you know, I've worked at two of them, um, you know, there are these ESG initiatives and corporate responsibility, corporate social responsibility initiatives, you know, sort of firm wide. Um, about 10, 12 years ago, um, I think that's where I think post global financial crisis, um, you would show up at these target schools, right? We would show up at these like, you know, the, the same schools that all the all the banks sort of recruit at. And um, <clears throat> it was interesting every year that student that sort of that crop of new recruits became more and more vocal about like not just having the job right it wasn't they weren't like hey uh you know the, the things that we would hear were like hey i'm really excited about you know joining credit suisse as an investment banker but i have a question what else do you do for the world and um, and then you know I would talk to my my friends at you know other investment banks and they would echo the same thing like hey you know we it's really cool um, it, you know uh, this new crop of recruits every year starts to you know think more and more uh, with with a charitable you know sort of focus they're like what else do you do for the world because and let's face it the reality is that today's workforce uh, wants more than just a paycheck right they want to know that the company that they work for you know um, you know aspires towards a higher purpose that there's a greater good to the work that they do above and beyond the scope of client service or whatever their sort of the, their actual day-to-day -day is they want to be inspired by their companies and every company that you go to and you speak with tells you like look um, you know, we donate $4 million from our foundation every year to charity. If you if you ask them the other question, does an average employee at your firm know that, right? 
that's where the disconnect is, right? So the, the head of the foundation will tell you, of course, everyone should know. I send them all emails. What do you want me to do? Yeah. But then you go to uh, an average employee you take a cross section, right? 10 employees. Hey, did you know that your firm donated $4 million to charity every year? You're almost always met with shock. It's like, no, wow, that I knew we did something, but I didn't know we did that. Right. And 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 so like that very intended benefit some of these companies want to extract from, you know, um, doing good or making those donations is to really get in front of the employee. Right. Yes. And, and let them know that, hey, we as a firm um, uh, care about our communities, right? And that's been a challenge, right? If you're at the boardroom, at the C-suite, all the ideas that get brought to the table, right? Like, every, look, the buzz, you hear this, the buzzwords that I just mentioned to you, you hear it at every company, especially post-pandemic, you hear it even more. But like pre-pandemic, even like three, four years ago, we would hear like, you know, ESG, corporate social responsibility, employee engagement, culture, impact. Those are all initiatives that existed at every company. But the ideas that get brought to the table uh, all involve two very scarce resources. It's either time or it's money. And oftentimes it's both, right? And so that's where like sort of the, the, the insight sort of came to mind, right? For both of us, for Mosin and I, it was like, listen, Every company is trying to sort of like address their ESG footprint, right? Uh, they want to tell the story about impact, but like they're spending millions of dollars in trying to do it. And the problem is that they're using this outdated sort of food ordering system that like, you know, I won't, you know, just out of respect, I won't name any names here, but like everyone knows who, who it would be. Um, there and, and I used like you know nine plus years of, of Wall Street. Every, almost every dinner that I ordered was uh, using my company's like account, right? Um, what kind of budgets are we talking about for expense allocation for these kinds of meals? I mean, it's interesting. Um, back in the day, it used to be about twenty five dollars mm-hmm. uh, at the investment banks. I think it's around the same today, twenty five thirty dollars um, per meal uh, per employee per dinner. Yeah, per meal per employee. Um, and law firms tend to be a bit higher, right? So they tend to be around $35, $40. Um, tech companies, um, they're more more weighted towards the lunch business than they are dinner. Um, <clears throat> but nonetheless, you know, they, they all sort of sponsor meals. And so when we looked at it and we said, look, every company administrator complains about their the incumbent platform, right? Which had sort of dropped the ball on like, <laughs> Um, That's just funny. We had a we just we just repainted our restaurant, and I was making a joke that every single contractor will always say something bad about the previous contractor. How could you do this work? <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's it's funny. So, um, and you know, as users, users complain about it too. All right, and so like, um, and, and so like, look, why do they complain about it? But they're sort of stuck on the same platform. Why can't they change? And the reason is because no one had a robust enough technology that accounted for all of those, like the multitude of use cases that every single one of these clients need. The integrations, uh, I mean, you name it, right? The security, the enterprise readiness. The accounting, the payments, all of it. Everything, exactly, you, 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 you've got it right. So, so we said, you know what? Why don't we spend 
actually front load all of our time in understanding these use cases because like remember um building you know look there there are two different sort of you know sort of schools of thought here but unfortunately there are a lot of uh companies especially in like you know easy monetary policy and you know when when there's a lot of liquidity out there um companies uh tend to raise money and they spend you know five dollars to make one right and and so we so Mohsen and i were we didn't think that way right we were more um we're more private equity minded and we're like look let's figure out how to build the actual business first and understand the customer the use cases the user journeys all that stuff and um it took us a few years um it took us a few years to build it but once we built it that flywheel got started and you know one company switched over and then two and then three and then by the time you know it 30 of the vault 50 law firms the most prestigious law firms in the country now exclusively use sharebyte as their uh food ordering platform and there's a reason for that right because we we focused um we had a laser focus on becoming the gold standard the undisputed gold standard of corporate food ordering technologies and it's one part food ordering but it's you know i'd say one third probably food ordering is kind of the it, it, you know that's what people use our website for but like the integrations the software the payment technology all that stuff that's the the other side of it the back end that no one actually gets to see and you only get to see a sl- small sliver of it as a customer um and you well, only it's the, it's the digital hospitality it's the oh shit when when something works when uber works you go how am i using why am i calling a cab and waiting on hold like exactly. You don't even see what's happening, but because you don't see what's happening and you're communicating of what is happening, that's the magic. Exactly. And 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 listen, we spent years building out the use cases. Thousands of use cases are built out in our system. So oftentimes we'll get a call from an existing client of ours, um, our VP of Ops, um, Amr gets a call and he's, he's like, and you know, uh, hey guys, like I have a, I have an idea. It's kind of zany, but like if you built it, we would use it. And what's music to our ears is when he goes, Sean, hang on one second. And then he, he says, refresh your browser. And then like that, you go, oh my God, how did you guys do that? That's yeah. exactly what I just asked you for. Chances are we probably built it out for somebody else. Right. Yeah. Well, that's, um, that's, I, I talk about it every single week on this podcast is if you're, if you're an owner, if you're in the hospitality business, like there has never been a more receptive time for tech companies that understand if they listen to me, if they listen to my staff, if they listen to my team, if they listen to feedback, they know it's not just our restaurant, that these engineers, they don't want to build a shitty product. They want it to work. And if they knew it didn't work, like it, it would drive them up the wall. So why are, why are my managers complaining, oh, this doesn't make sense? I'm like, listen, if the, the user experience doesn't make sense, let's give them the feedback. Exactly. And so we're a company that listens to it. Not only just listens, we actively seek it out. So, um, and, and because of that, um, we, we've been able to build, you know, a pretty sizable client base. We're the first and only company um, that has ever been able to compete in a meaningful manner in the corporate space. So much so that um, the average customer that switches over from the incumbent platform uh, onto ShareByte does so after having spent about 17 years on that platform. 
right? Crazy. Um, and and uh, and let's. Uh, I'll just you know. Um, I'll just put it out there that like um, so much so that the founders of uh, you know the founders of Seamless heard about us you know a few years ago, and not only did they invest in the company, but one of them joined our team uh, as our, as our head of business development. So um, and so like the more companies understand what ShareByte does and what our trajectory is going to look like. Um, the more intrigued they are. They're like, wait, is it, we never heard of ShareBite. Like, how are you at like every other company that I talk to now, <laughs> right? And I've come across that situation too, right? With different sort of products where like, you don't ever hear about it, but then like the one time you hear about it, you hear about it from everybody. Yeah. And so, well, yeah, I mean, it's like it's like me going and talking to restaurant owners about Slack and they have no clue what I'm talking about. But yeah. then you go and I interview tech CEO. It's like there's nobody that's not on Slack. And I'm like, well, how are we not using this in the restaurant? How's there not? I go to Slack and I'm asking them to give me an example of another restaurant using Slack and they can't do it. I'm like, that's crazy to me. But it's they've been focused on a different category and that yet it's this huge, incredible, powerful company. And it's it's exactly what you're saying. It's like once you hear about it and then you go, well, that's magic. Why aren't we using that magic? That's right. And restaurants want that too, right? Because let's face it, like delivery has become a significant portion of, you know, sort of the restaurant business, right? Altogether. Um, and, uh, and it's become one that's avoidable, but like, if you look at the major metropolitan sort of hubs, like the New York cities, the Chicago's, the San Francisco's right of the world, like you very quickly realize that there's a whole ecosystem that depends on companies bringing their employees back to the office, right? Consider human, uh, we're, we're, we're like the human you know, as humans, we're like honeybees, right? Like we like pollinate, right? You you go to work and on your way to work, you stop by somewhere, you you go to go to this restaurant or you frequent this place. And that ecosystem um, has, has largely vanished because of the stay in place orders. And so a lot of, um, and you know, there's this partnership for New York City. Um, there are a lot of CEOs and like, you know, company executives um, that have come out there and said, you know what, we're actually going to bring our employees back to the office, not by a little, but back like in full force. And um, and that's that's really been sort of that massive growth area for us, because today we're not a company that's like, you know, focused just on the New York City, Chicago and D.C. markets. We're nationwide. Right. Um, you know, we're. 10, 12 cities actually. Uh, San Diego yet? San Diego is not one market for us right now, um, but we're, we're in California. We're ready for a restaurant. We're, we're willing and able. And we'll, we'll, <laughs> tap, we'll tap all the other restaurants. You'll be the first uh, first call that uh, you make. Um, but yeah, right. look, I, there's so many companies out there that are starting to think about return to the office plans. And our thesis has been, look, if you don't have a robust food and beverage strategy to reopen your office, you don't have a plan, right? Because every company that you speak with, you know, is out there telling you, listen, um, we want to bring our employees back to the office. We're paying, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars a month in rent and it's unoccupied space we, we need to come back. And, um, but when we do come back, we don't want our employees going up and down crowded elevators. 
we don't want hundreds of delivery people waiting in our lobbies. Um, and if we have a cafeteria or any sort of public space, we don't want to reopen it. And so ShareBite comes along and says, hey, um, we'll help you with that, right? So what we do is our ShareBite- More powerful before you get go is the fact that it's so much easier for us as a restaurant to take care of 75 employees than it is to take care of four orders here, six orders here. We can give much better quality to a 75 person order. Plus chances are, you know, we can do it right off the bat. You know, if somebody orders an hour before lunch, but if somebody orders two days in advance, guess what? We can put extra love and care into that package and make it even better. What if I gave you access and I gave you access to 20 companies in your you know, within a specific delivery radius. And I told you that you can get all of your orders batched together, right? And you yep. can get it, you know, a day before. No problem. Right? No problem. Because you have economies of scale as a restaurant to be able to produce all of those things, right? And you'd much rather produce, you know, 150 orders in a batch than to do 150 like, oh, I got this delivery and I got that delivery and I got to send them all somewhere else. It's so that incredible what's happening. I mean, literally the pandemic has forced so many restaurants to adapt and build their catering platforms onto their delivery platforms. So it's one of the things that we've always, when we started building our catering program, it was how do we make catering easier for our guests? The easier we make it for our guests, the easier it is for someone to go on our website, go, this is what our menu, this is what my budget is, this is what I'm gonna order, the more orders that we'll do. Plus we need to make it easy for us as a restaurant. So the easier we make it, but now during the pandemic, I even just this last weekend, I went to Sahara restaurant out here, incredible Mediterranean food, but I went to their website to try and order for you know 10 people. And it's this whole old process of filling out a form. Somebody's gonna contact me 72 hours, but then I go to DoorDash, order online, and they've put everything in meats by the pound. Yep. Literally, I got the order that I wanted. I picked it up within less than an hour and it was yep. phenomenal. Yep. It's literally forced them to think differently in economies of scale. Yep. And so that is, that's what's happening right now. And the future of, you know, look back in the day, pre-pandemic, right? We even, we were in this business too. Um, you know, um, you know, if you were ever watching like, you know, like the uh, late night sort of TV shows, you know, Chris Cuomo or, you know, Don Lemon or Anderson Cooper, the production staff that they at CNN used to order on ShareBite and there were trays of catered food. And we had so many companies that used to order trays of catering to their office for their lunches, employee lunches. And you had that lineup, right? People got, got their plates, they lined up, they got their food. But the complaint that we would hear from office managers was like, oh my God, this is the most stressful job I've ever had. Because, <laughs> they don't hey, want to later, dude. <laughs> right? It's such a stressful job. I need to figure out what my employees want to eat. Yeah, well, they, they understand what a restaurant knows is there's a reason why every buffet you go to, there's probably somebody, a staff member on the protein line. They're the one saying, oh, how many ribs would you like? Instead yeah. of somebody else going through the line and next thing you know, you know, the lead anchor doesn't get any ribs because, you know, the production guy came through. Well, that's a, the tracks. 
Yeah, that's a whole different issue altogether. So there's the, there, there's the, did I order enough food or did I order too much? Yep. And then, you know, you got food waste and you got to pay somebody to come pick it up um, or throw it away and then sort of get yelled at by somebody like, why'd you order so much? Then you've got this sort of choice issue, right? Like, oh, Italian food, it's July. I didn't want to eat Italian food in July. Or, you know, oh, I'm, I'm vegan or I have this like, you know, dietary restriction and I need this, you know. And um, accounting for all of those sort of preferences is like, it's a laborious kind of like, I mean, office managers have some of the toughest jobs, right? Because not only do they have to manage a whole office and run the office, but then they got to figure out how to like, you know, feed their employees. So what ShareBite Station really does um, is we actually put these shelving units within your office. And so as long as your order is placed by, you know, a specific cutoff time, typically it's a day before, depending on the area, right? Um, in, in the larger, denser cities like New York, um, as long as your order is placed by, you know, typically 10 a.m., all of the food arrives in your building in one delivery per restaurant. And not only that, every lunch is individually wrapped, packaged, labeled with your name on it, information, location, phone number, Awesome. And it gets brought into your office and staged on these things called ShareBite stations. And so, um, and you, you can rotate as many restaurants as you want as a company. You can add, remove, depending on the headcount, right? We can, we can slot new restaurants in. We can hot swap some, some of them out. We can even allow your employees to opt out of the group order and like order because maybe someone um, is strict about, you know, maybe they're kosher or something like that or, um, uh, you can sort of subsidize all that. You can not subsidize it. There's so many customizations that we can make. Um, and that has essentially become the sort of like gold standard product. So today, ShareBite Stations is not only active in New York City, in Chicago, uh, in Irvine, California, in Oakland, um, but like we have uh, Charlotte, North Carolina, right? Um, there's so many different companies that are like, how quickly can you install this in my office? My office is based in South San Francisco, um, or we're based in um, uh, Burlingame, right? Can Can you install this in our building? Or I heard about you from my counterpart at this company, and they're like, we we can't live without this product. So like, what's so special about you guys aside from you know, the charitable donation that we make. It's amazing. I mean, it's absolutely incredible. The fact like you can empower restaurant owners in a market that you haven't gone to that already do business, that already have attorneys, that always already have architects that says, hey, look at this incredible technology that we're using. Even though you're on a different part of town, this makes sense for us to deliver it to you. You've always wanted to order from us. Hey, get ShareBite. We'll be on the platform and we're going to come and start bringing you and your employees food twice a month, whatever it is. I mean, you or get whatever you want. <laughs> every day, right? every, day. every day. Yeah. Let's get that everyday plan. <laughs> every day, every other day, every company today wants, even if they didn't have a employee sort of meal ordering program, they want to implement one today. And that's where it's not only exciting for us, right. But it's really, really exciting for the restaurant community. Right. Um, and, you know, look, um, my good friend, Jeff Bank, who was the founding, founding trustee of the New York Hospitality Alliance, um, 
a phenomenal human being, but like when I when I talk to him, I get like a like a first kind of glance, a front row seat to like restaurants and like the plight of restaurant tours, right? And the work that um, the guys at New York Hospitality Alliance are doing, um, Andrew, and just just everybody in general, they're we all need to be in it together to help save these restaurants because restaurants are not just a place to eat or get food from. They're a part of the sort of the, the cultural fabric that makes our cities and our, and our towns and our, you know, our communities, what they are. Right. Um, and the better your restaurants and the more passionate sort of those restaurant tours are um, it, it's just a creative to, you know, society in general. Right. Like I just, um, and I, I've, I've felt really bad knowing that like every restaurant tour that we we spoke with, you know, over the last year have said, look, we're, no one's helping us. We're not getting any help. Right. Uh, and um, it took almost a year for, for any kind of relief to be sent your way. And so when we, when we wanted to show leadership as a company, um, we said, you know what, we'll be the first to tell you like, we're not gonna charge you a penny in commission. We're gonna pump you with some orders. We're gonna put you on these rotations for share bite stations. We're not gonna charge you anything. And um, and we get a lot of testimonials, some from very, very prominent restaurateurs. You know, thank you so much for for doing what you did. There's so much goodwill trapped in, you know, uh, in, in the work that we did. Yeah, we didn't do an ounce of PR related to it. We didn't tell anybody about it, right? We've, we've as a company, we've largely been under the radar because We've quietly built a software as a service business. Um, every company on our platform is exclusive, right? They don't run a side by side with another platform. And frankly, it's not another not another platform that uh, is able to do what ShareBytes able to do, and in the way that we're able to do it for not only our corporate clients, our restaurant partners, and for society, right? Charitable partners like City Harvest. Um, so I'm very proud of that. When so when you when you were talking before about recruiting and about the good you know all these incredible companies that have a mission and they give back yet most of their employees don't know they give back it really struck a chord because it's something that we talk about often and it's something why we're so focused on digital storytelling I mean we wouldn't be in the position we are if it wasn't for you know the gifts of we're building on the backs of giants the fact that we can you know produce content we don't have a PR agency we are our own PR agency if we want to get the word out we put something on Twitter, we do an Instagram video, we publish on LinkedIn, we have a podcast, we do YouTube videos, but digital storytelling, it's not just about the work that we're doing, but by publishing that where people are and where they are consuming allows other people to know, get awareness about a charity that they might not know and also gives them a call to action to say, hey, that's something that I believe in. I can buy a meal from that restaurant and know that I'm helping a child in need. When is ShareBite going to start helping this digital storytelling of your corporate clients, the restaurants and the charity? Because you have three, you have restaurants, you have the charity, and then you have your corporate clients and all this incredible work is getting done. When are you guys gonna start publishing? You know, um... <clears throat> That's why I agreed to, you know, be on this first of all, right? Because um, I think it's the right time for a company like ShareBite to 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 be very vocal about our mission and who we are, right? Um, and um, and we've largely been fine in the past, not doing an ounce of PR, um, you know, just kind of doing this all under the radar. 
But the people that use us, right? We didn't really have much of a sales team before, you know, up, up until relatively recently, because our clients were our number one salespeople. Correct. If if you do it right, you build a brand that works, then they'll be your greatest ambassadors. I mean, I I talk all the time. Peloton never sold me anything. It's my friends who have a Peloton that posted about their Peloton that made me buy a Peloton. Exactly. Exactly. So we are a very, very high NPS product, right? Um, And, you know, if you look at sort of our sort of inbounds, the, the rate of inbounds that have that we've been receiving over the last maybe even three months, um, it's been a record, right? Every week, multiple companies reach out. Hey, um, how do we, how do we, how do we get set up on Sharebun or even restaurants? Right? There, there are areas um, that we previously weren't in. We had a restaurant in Wichita, Kansas, uh, inquire on our website about how can I, how can we be on Sharebun platform. And we're like, uh, yeah, we already have me signed up. It's how do I recruit restaurants and how do I recruit corporate clients for you? I'm all in on your West Coast. I, I appreciate That's that. All taken care of. <laughs> yeah, and 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 look, at the end of the day, um, our business. Um, when Mosin and I really, you know, um, this comes back to your original question, right? Like, how did you build business? Um, as as um, as cliche or maybe cheesy as it may sound we built it off of just doing the right thing. Right. And, and, you know, um, and that means, you know, paying, uh, paying respect to the things that need to get done first, right. They're hard. There are a lot of things that are hard about like just building business, but like, you know, finding the right people. Right. And not just like, if if someone asked me um, many months ago, like how many employees do you have? I said, zero. Right. We don't have employees. We, we don't hire employees. We hire entrepreneurs. Right. Love that. And yeah. um, yeah. so our FTE is our full time, full time entrepreneurs. <laughs> um, and when we bring on people, they go through a, a screening process that they don't even know that they're going through. Mm-hmm. And um, the people that we bring on, um, not only are they functionally great at what they're what they're doing, if they're not, we'll train them and teach them how to do it. Right. Um, they're culturally phenomenal, right? They bring, you know, positivity, can do attitude, all the things that sort of you dream of having in a colleague or coworker, they embody that because they wear a hat of service, right? If everybody at the company, you know, wears this hat of service on like, how can I be of service to you, my client, my colleague, everybody in general, it just makes things much easier, right? And that's what makes us such a nimble team. And the third component of us, um, our hiring process, is really the mission. We don't ask people like, hey, do you care about feeding hungry children? They tell us, right? They, they're they like, look, <clears throat> I want to be part of ShareVibe because of your mission. Right? Yeah. That sort of unlocks a whole different conversation about like, you know, what, what would you like to do? What problem do you want us to help solve? And so... When, I, when the story of ShareBite is is one day written, it is that um, it, it's it's our hope that um, we built this ecosystem um, that was all based on like, hey, every single stakeholder, every single participant in our sort of supply chain is able to extract a ton of benefit by by being involved with ShareBite, and so like everyone has to win. 
right? There are no losers yeah. in this transaction. So it's got to be a win-win-win value proposition. And um, <clears throat> and that's how we, we built the business. And it's it's a story of resilience, really. And um, you know, the thing is, we all have it, right? We're innately resilient creatures. We've evolved that way for millions and millions of years. Um, you know, the best story I can tell you is just yesterday, um, my four-year-old, uh, built up this like big tower of like Lego blocks and he, he probably worked all morning to sort of do that. Right. He was very proud of it. And in one, one fell swoop, his, his little brother, the, my one-year-old came <laughs> barreling in and just destroyed everything. It all just collapsed right in front of him. Uh, you're describing, you're describing my house yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's uh, it's, but that's it's. There's it's a there's a, a lot of learnings and a lot of metaphors there for just life in general, and you know my four year old was very upset. Right, he went to he went down for a nap. He went down crying. He was annoyed. Um, but when he woke up later that afternoon, he was like, "I'm gonna rebuild this whole thing from scratch," right? And he built not only rebuilt the thing, he built it better, but he built a fortress around it. So when his little brother comes barreling through. <laughs> <laughs> he kind of trips over the the blockade the blockade of like pillows. <laughs> A true entrepreneur, <laughs> right? And so he turned to me, and I was like, "That's really interesting." And he goes, "Look, Dad, I rebuilt it. It's much bigger and better than it was before uh, Rohan destroyed." And I go, "You know, there's so much here in that same story that tells the story of mankind, right? Of human beings." We're, we are resilient creatures. This pandemic is proof of it, right? All of the moments of crisis that we as a, as a civilization have gone through, we've been able to overcome that. And, um, and, and, and look what's happening in, in, in the country today, right? Pace of vaccinations are very encouraging. A lot of companies thinking about bringing their employees back. There's this sense of return to normalcy. It's around the corner, right? It's not happening tomorrow, but come six months, We'll see. We'll see some return to normal, and um, and you know we're, you know, we as a company cannot think of a higher calling uh, than to give back to this country at a time that it needs us the most. With kids, you know, not being in school, they're going hungry, restaurants struggling, right? Companies wanting to bring their employees back to the office, right? Which I believe is a noble cause, and. Um, and us being able to be that force for good, right? We want to be that conduit that helps sort of facilitate all these transactions. And the reason why companies work with us is not only because of the product, but at the end of the day, they get to um, leverage their employees' behavior, which is just ordering food, right? And in a visible manner, put their company's name on giving back to society at a moment when they have their employees' undivided mind share and 100% of that, their attention. When I, you know, when I go on ShareBite and I order from my favorite restaurant, it says, Dilip, thanks for ordering. Here's a meal that was donated from this uh, uh, to, to help healthy children facing hunger in your local communities. But your restaurant, right, um, ShareBite was able to help get that restaurant back on its feet in the post-pandemic world. Okay. Um, and it's, it's a... Uh, it's something that we as a company are very, very passionate and proud of. And, um, you know, uh, and I look forward to telling that story and being much more vocal about it, as you said, 
um, because we do live in a permissionless economy right now, right? Um, you know, to, to do what you're doing today, it would have taken a lot of, a lot of money, a lot of relationships, a lot of everything. And you're able to sort of spin this up in a permissionless manner. And I think that is really the future. And um, we, as a company, want to be enablers of that, right? Um, restaurant tours should be able to start restaurant operations in a permissionless manner, right? And being able to gain access to corporate clientele that you otherwise would not have access to. And so that's that's our mission. Um, and, uh, and when the story of ShareBytes one day, uh, ShareBytes is written one day, uh, I hope that it's not going to be about anything else aside from uh, that we were able to set an example that you can do well and do good all in the same transaction and do what you love by just working with the people that you really enjoy being around. Um, and that's how we've been able to build the company, um, keep the culture intact. And, um, and uh, that's the reason why we're going to become you know, the next sort of billion dollar business. I love that. Well, I I would, the one thing I would argue with you is the story is not going to be written one day. The story is getting written right now. And the more that you start sharing that story, the more you're going to empower your restaurants, the more you're going to empower the charity, the more children you're going to help, and the more that you're going to empower your clients, the corporate clients, to understand this is this is the answer to those problems that they're having when they're going to recruit. Once they're sharing this content of the work that they're doing on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and TikTok and Snapchat, whatever the platform is, Clubhouse, whatever it is, once they're sharing that story, the problem is it, it's so much harder in those environments to do what we've had to do. We had to do it out of bare necessity. So everyone needs to rethink what digital marketing is, what digital media is, what storytelling is. And I, I applaud you for coming on the podcast today. Um, you're a true inspiration. Thank you for, for what you're doing. Well, where's the best place people can find ShareByte? ShareByte.com uh, or go to our LinkedIn uh, page. Um, and you'll you'll start to see a whole lot of content that's that's getting put out. Um, and uh, you know, I just want to give a, a, a quick shout out to my team because um, it's a, you know I'm only able to tell this story because um, of the work, the tireless efforts that they put in day in and day out um, to help build this company. Right? They're the they're the they're the real inspiration. Um, I just wanted to mention that here. And then my 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 say for your team is that they they also should be empowered in a permissionless society to be able to share how much they love coming to work and the work that they're doing. And it's so easy to do it on Instagram and TikTok and LinkedIn. There's never been an easier time to show that you love what you're doing. You know, update your LinkedIn profile, share the content. You guys do a phenomenal job on LinkedIn. Um, share that content, like the content, and uh, we're grateful for anybody that's listening to this podcast. The last thing we say is stay curious, get involved, and don't be afraid to ask for help. Delete, thank you, my friend. Um, I know uh, we're going to have more conversations in the future. So thank, thank you. If you need anything on the West Coast, please uh, reach out. I look forward to that, Sean. Thanks so much for having me on. And I look forward to uh, more of our conversations.